0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the Delta Flyers with Tom and Harry as we journey through episodes of Star Trek Voyager. Your two hosts along this journey are myself, Garrett Wong, and my co-host, Mr. Robert Duncan McNeil.
1: The Rock. beardless. Yes. The beardless, the much more Tom Parisi. Look uh, at that. Yeah, I had to That's... shave this week.
0: It looks good, actually. I haven't seen you without a beard in probably 10, 15 years, it seems. Yeah, I think it's been about 12
1: years. I think I shaved once. I shaved once, like in 2015. I had a really thick beard. I had a long one. I I directed this pilot, and I remember I didn't shave the whole time after I got the job because I was like, it's good luck. This is my good luck beard. So I had a, a nice long hipster beard, and I shaved it all off to nothing. And then I was like,
0: what did I do? What's the reason why you shaved this time?
1: So the reason I had to shave this time is um, the show that I'm finishing up, producing and directing is called Resident Alien. It's with Alan Mm -hmm. Tudyk, Mm -hmm. and uh, we have to fly in helicopters up to a glacier on Tuesday, and go film for a day on Wednesday, all day at the glacier.
0: Nice.
1: Because of COVID, um, the company, uh, the corporate, you know, the parent corporation, which is Comcast. Mm -hmm. Yep. It was like you guys can't fly in helicopters it's too confined to space and oh <laughs> and uh so we were like well we have to fly in a helicopter because we've got to shoot like this is part of the story right there, there's a you know there's stuff we owe for the episodes that we have to be on in the snow yeah. and the only way to get snow the only place to get snow right now is up on a glacier so hmm. um so at one point they said no we were going to cancel it we were going to try to do it all visual effects it was that was getting complicated. And, and then uh, I said to them, I said, well, wait a minute. I said, how do nurses go to work every day? Like, what do nurses in the COVID wing do when they, they've got to go to work? Like, they mm-hmm. can't stop working. And, you know, I said, well, put on those suits, those hazmat suits. Mm. And then Comcast was like, well, you're right. Like, maybe. So we settled on these um, respirators that we're going to wear that are super strong, Um, and we have to wear goggles, Um, but now we can get five people in the helicopter at once so we can take the crew of 30 people that are filming that day up there, but we had to get fitted this week for our respirator, so I had to shave on Wednesday, and then we film next Wednesday, so until we we shoot, I got to keep my face clean
0: shaven. Yeah, because you need a secure seal between yes, exactly. the mask, and if you have facial hair, it's gonna actually compromise the yeah. safety of that unit. Exactly, that yeah, you're using, exactly. Right?
1: Yeah, so everybody, I've, I saw some of the some of the guys on the crew, our Dolly Grip, Chris is his name, I've known him for a long time, he's always had a beard, I've never seen it, I was like, I didn't recognize him. Or uh, one of our ADs, Gurjeet is his name, Gurjeet I've known for five or six years, never seen him without a beard. I was like, who are you? So yeah, there's a lot of people on the crew that are like,
0: oh my God, that's what you look like?
1: I'm sure they are doing the same with me.
0: I am. I'm actually staring at your chin and your your upper lip. Everything is just new to me. Even though, of course, I knew you as clean shaven on the show. You were a clean shaven younger man then. Well, uh,
1: you know what's funny is I said to somebody after I shaved this week, somebody said, oh my God, you look like Tom Paris now. (laughs) <laughs> like I, they, they go I never noticed it like I couldn't imagine because I've only known you with a beard it never but made now, sense yeah. but now they're like I recognize I see the Tom Paris and I said it's funny because when I go to conventions yeah. and people see me with a beard yeah. they're like wait who are you like who you is don't, this you don't look like Tom <laughs> Paris I'm like yeah but it is yeah. so that's funny
0: ah very good um yeah, funny. i just uh i just watched my panel that i moderated for new york comic con i, d- I moderated smallville's 20th anniversary i know panel. that was a big panel it was a big panel but you know i'm uh, you know i'm very self-critical of my moderation and there's a few things that i did that i, I wish i could have did again the beginning was awkward because i i got a little bit tongue tied because usually if i'm moderating a panel yeah. in front of a live audience i'll say all right put your hands together give a warm round of applause to, and I started saying, give a warm round of applause. And I realized, Oh my God, I, I, there's nobody here. To, 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 you know what I'm saying? Who at home is going to be like, Whoa! I mean, maybe, Ooh, maybe a couple diehard fans. Yeah, right. But I kind of, I, I myself by saying that mm-hmm. and then in my mind going, I shouldn't be saying that. And then I just, so the beginning is a little shaky, I'll admit, but then it picks up, it gets better. And then, um, Michael Rosenbaum told a story about how his grandmother had told him, uh, she had told his grandmother that he was auditioning for Smallville and mm-hmm. she had told him for the very first time, you're going to get it. And she never says that. Wow. And she she died like a week later and he ended up getting it. You wow. know? And it was like this sort of morbid story. And at the end, I was like, thank you for sharing. And I said, awesome. But then Megan was sitting next to me, going, "Are you saying awesome about his grandmother dying?" I go, "Oh no, no, I didn't mean that. I meant awesome, meaning awesome that you shared that." So yeah. that was my other other little yeah. mess up. But
1: well, if that. you'd like, Garrett, we could we could ask everybody right now for our podcast to give us a warm round of round applause round. <laughs> for Garrett and Robbie.
0: Woo! There you go. That's good. I hear it. I hear it. Yeah. He can you hear it? I can hear it a little he bit. It. Yeah. Here. yeah. I, yeah, that's, that's, I, I can hear it. In the, I can feel the applause, I can feel actually. it. Exactly. Feel yeah. it. All right. So um, let's, uh, let's go ahead and uh, play a little game of what do we remember for our patrons and for everybody else. Stay tuned. Robbie and I are going to go watch this episode, come back and give you our two cents worth. Thanks a lot. See you soon. We are back ladies and gentlemen from reviewing cold
1: Fire. Yes. Well, we didn't review it yet. We're not back. We're not back from reviewing. We're back from rewatching. Watching, and now we are about to review. Correct. I Correct. had fun. I had fun watching that episode.
0: Yeah. All right. Yeah. Before hey, before we jump into the review of this yes. episode, let me just say that I did call Mr. Robert Beltron. Yes. Because we had questions. At least I had questions. Yes. From last episode that we reviewed, tattoo. Right. First was number one. Did the hawk fly away? We do know that oh, yeah. a lot of the interiors were shot on stage. I mean, a lot of the exteriors were shot on stage sixteen to make yep. to make look like exterior. But they did go to Vasquez Rocks. He said to film that opening bit. And I asked about, if you recalled about, you know, the Hawk actually flying away. And yeah. he doesn't, he doesn't remember that one. I don't but remember then, that either. Yeah. But he does remember that is not his backside. I was right. When we see. Really? The, really? Yes. Yes. I was right. Because the, the hair looked like a wig. And, and when you saw it from behind, it didn't look like his hair. And I asked him, is that, is, is that you naked from behind? He's like, no, because I refused Who did to do it. it. Um, a, a body double. Oh. A body double. Wow.
1: I don't, yeah. I didn't remember that. So he
0: Literally. Yeah. He's just, yeah. He, he said, listen, guys, uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to shoot this. Uh, I, right. I refuse to show my, my, my backside. And right. You're going to have to find a b- body double. And that's why they did. And if you see the shot, it's from far away. It's not really yeah. a close up. you know? No, so, not at all. Yeah. So that was somebody else's, um,
1: somebody but, else's digital butt crack.
0: Yeah, <laughs> somebody else wearing a flesh colored uh, tights at the bottom and that they replaced yeah. uh, the butt crack later. Uh, that's, that's not Robert Beltran's butt. That's funny. <laughs> so now we have that. It's I, I, so I just...
1: funny how like each of these episodes, you know, there's, I mean, it's, it's obvious, but I guess I'll just say it is like, you know, in Tattoo, that was a Beltran episode. Mm-hmm. So he's gonna remember a lot more about that yeah. than we do. It's like yeah. this episode. Was a Kess episode, and I, you know, I didn't have that much to do in it, so I don't, I didn't really remember very much of it. Okay, um, but uh, yeah, I really enjoyed this episode. By the way, really, really did. I had a lot. Good.
0: Um, <clears throat> want to hear my limerick? I got a limerick too. <gasps> yes, I'll let you go. <laughs> I'll let you. I'll let you go. You want? All right. Shoot? Here's all right. Shoot your limerick, uh, your synopsis limerick. My synopsis limerick goes something like this.
1: Kess and Tuvok practice some brain work, then run into a second caretaker jerk. Her Ocampan sidekick fills Kess with some mind tricks, but Voyager survives with some teamwork.
0: Nice.
1: That's my limerick.
0: Oh, man, you went all out on that one. You went all yeah. out. Okay, here we go. <clears> okay, <throat> <clears throat> My synopsis limerick for Cold Fire. There once was an Ocompan named Kes who left her home planet no less. A distant cousin appears, helps her surpass her fears, but left her in such a complete mess. Ah, nice, nice. I'm glad we went totally different directions in that too. So that's good. It's
1: funny with the limerick, cause you know, it is. It, the, the, the rhyme is gonna drive where you go. Yeah. Like from the you know,
0: exactly. You have to get the rhyme down.
1: I just wanted to start with Kess and Tuvok practicing brain work. Sure. That, that was you know
0: that was that, that was a good start. Brain, sure. brain work.
1: Brain work started it all off, and then you just it re- you stuck with that.
0: <laughs> it really, really did. Um, the story is by Anthony Williams, the teleplay is by Brandon Braga and directed by Mr. Cliff, Cliff Fole. Oh, yes. yes, I now, loved so, Cliff. Yeah, Cliff was lo- great. Yeah. Um he has, you know, he has, I think he directed 20 some odd episodes of TNG. He directed uh, dozens of, uh, um, or a dozen maybe, I think of DS9, uh, 10 episodes of Voyager. But, you know, he directed as early as $6 million man. You remember yeah. that, uh, that series yeah. that when we were kids, we were watching that uh, as kids. And no, Cliff he was a that. real
1: old school veteran, Television director mm. from the old school. I uh, I remember I shadowed Cliff. I really liked Cliff a lot. I shadowed yeah. him to learn about directing, right. and he had mentioned to me one time that he was going over to do an X Files episode mm. at Fox on the Fox lot, and uh, I said, "Wow, I'd love to come shadow." You know, shadowing on Star Trek is great, but I'd love to learn about other shows. as well and if uh, would that be okay if I came and shadowed you yeah and he said sure let me um check with the the people there and he did and put me in touch with them so I got um approved to come shadow and shadowed over at uh at x-files a little bit nice yeah cliff bowl was uh because he was so well connected and it had been around a lot um -hmm. he was a really important person for me in learning to direct and um Yeah, I just, I I thought he, uh, yeah, I thought he was great. He had a very old school kind of personality, you know, the old director of like, I'm the boss, do what I say. You know, it was a little bit of that, but I I appreciated that. Like I always felt we were in good hands with Cliff. We, you know, we didn't work as long. Our hours weren't as long. I just felt like he knew what he wanted. He knew how to get it
0: and uh, how to finish a day. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. But Cliff, what set him apart? or at least what I recall of Cliff, was that he had a very um, specific style of how he dressed. Like he would show up on set with like a bolo tie, Denim shirt, like a yes. you know, like a jean shirt. Yeah. Yeah. So I look at Cliff and I thought, okay, this guy lives in Colorado. He's like a rancher. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like he looked right. like that's that's what his MO would be if you saw him but didn't hear him speak, didn't know what he did. You'd think yeah. that guy owns a ranch in Colorado, period. End of story, yeah. right? But yeah. he was definitely uh, old school Hollywood, been around forever, passed away in two thousand and fourteen. So yeah. um uh, he's no longer with us. Uh-huh. but uh, definitely someone that I look forward to when he did direct I, I knew okay this guy's gonna be cool
1: a there fl- we go there's
0: a picture of him right there yeah there's Cliff right in the middle Tuvok is standing there and there's Robbie that there's is clearly young. yeah young Robbie from an episode where they got to go back to planet Earth yeah and Robbie gets to go to the uh, Griff- Griffith Park Observatory and hang out with uh, uh, Sarah um, I'm blanking What's the comedian's name that you worked with? Sarah. Sarah Silverman. Silverman. Yeah, exactly. See, this is the thing, Robbie. The older I get, the names just start just escaping my my brain. Yeah, they just I know, just me too. Me my too. mind is not as, as solid. There you go. There's Cliff again. Yeah. Yeah. There's Cliff on directing uh, DS9. a DS9. Yeah. Uh, or DS9. Yeah, it could be DS9, right? So, uh, yeah, Cliff Ball, definitely somebody who who uh, once again was someone I look forward to, if I saw him on the first day of filming, I go, oh, it's Cliff. Cool. Yeah. You know, just a really yeah. easy to get along with guy. Right. Agreed. Just Agreed. He never put on airs, which is really good. Yeah. Cool. Um, so in this episode, oh, and the other thing about Cliff, um, he directed the TNG episode Conspiracy, which is where we see the appearance, appearance of the aliens known as the Boleans and Boleans were named after Cliff Bole, which his last oh, that's name, great. which is, I, I don't think there's any other director that got, you know, there are no McNeil aliens running no. around. Right. So no, <laughs> but uh, Bolians yeah, you know, are right. real. So. I forgot
1: that. I heard that. I remember hearing that, that they had named the bullions after him.
0: Such a cool piece of trivia though. Yeah. Right. I mean, to be yeah. a director of a sci-fi show and then the producers go, guess what? We're going to name these aliens after you. <laughs> it's so like, funny. huh? Yeah, That's so funny. All right, I, I would have I, I would have thought that an alien would be named after an executive producer, writer first, before like they would be the Braga Bragaians, yes, yeah. or, or or the uh, yes, uh, Bermanonians. Burminoni- Bur- Burmino- Bermanonians.: yes, Bermaxians, <laughs> the Bermaxians, yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, but Cliff gets his own alien species, which is pretty yeah. damn cool. The Bolians. Um, yeah. Uh, so the very first scene is Tubak. Training casts in, in mind Kung Fu, right? Yes, but yeah. before
1: that, even before that, there was a recap. Did you oh, see the recap? The
0: re- yes, the recap.
1: The yeah. recap. So I don't ever remember a recap on our show. And in fact, I think it was um, um, Majel's voice. It was did, her voice. It was Majel's yeah. voice yeah. doing this recap about the caretaker and, yeah which I thought was really interesting because we never had a recap on our well, show.
0: Yeah, but it's even more interesting because recaps and typically when you're watching any type of episodic series, the recaps happen in the season opener of like season two, episode one. You know, yeah. They recap what happened in season one, going into season two. We are already into the thick of season two and they throw this recap in. Yeah. You know. But I think odd.
1: they really wanted to land the idea that uh, the caretaker um, they even had a, a clip of that quote that you yeah. mentioned about. Right. There's another, you know, my partner, my right. mate. Yes, yeah, she does say somewhere. mate.
0: I was wrong. Yeah. I thought it was just a friend, you know, or a coworker, but it's a mate.
1: So. Yeah, my mate is out there.
0: My mate. Anyway,
1: so that yeah, the recap I found really interesting because that's mm. unusual for us. Yeah, unusual. definitely all Star Trek shows. I don't really yeah. remember seeing it on any of
0: No, stuff. no, it's, it's, it, it's a very rare, it's a unicorn, you, know, you yeah. know, to have a, to have a recap on Star yeah. Trek. So then in this scene where they're, you know, Tuvok is training Kess, then she focuses in and all of a sudden she can hear Neelix and then he tells her to just block out all the voices. And then we start hearing about Neelix getting a haircut, which a haircut. is another thing, which we don't even ever, we never see anyone getting a haircut. No. No. Right? And we Never. don't even and then we learn about Neelix is very peculiar uh, particular about how long his ear hairs need, need to be. And and we're thinking like I wonder
1: if but I wonder, you know, because they pr- I don't know that they wrote the dialogue for Neelix. They probably just said in the script and she hears Neelix's voice. Yeah. And they probably had had Ethan Phillips go to the ADR stage and said, "Oh, just talk about a haircut or something." And I bet you the ear hairs I, my guess is that was his improv. That they just said, "Oh, just you know, yeah. talk like you're getting a haircut," and telling him, and he talked started adding the ear hair. That sounds like an Ethan Phillips.
0: That sounds about right, definitely. Yeah. But it was very peculiar because I don't very remember funny. hearing, I don't remember the at all anything about ear hairs. And then watching that, I started laughing. I yeah, was... and then she um, laughed. She laughed. She did. She giggled. Yeah. She was. She was I, I have to say,
1: I I really am enjoying watching these episodes because. I had forgotten how important Kess was these first couple of seasons. She really mm. had a ton. She had a lot more to do than I did on the show, than Tom <laughs> Paris did. Honestly. Like she did. I mean, and her stories weren't just interesting character sh- stories. Yeah. They were tied into the, the ship's overall, Yeah, the, yeah, the, the ship's arc arc of the sea of the first couple of seasons. She mm. was really. And tied into the development of the doctor character yeah. and tied into all kinds of things. I mean, we really could not have become the show we did without that character and without mm. Jennifer Lean's contribution. She, mm. she was great.
0: Yeah. She was an integral part of the crew. Yeah. Um, the first bridge scene that we see, mm-hmm. uh, there is a point where Janeway glances back at Chakotay who then flashes a very boyish and, and he's smiling. Grin. He's, that smile. It was he's like, smiling at that? her
1: a lot in this yeah. episode. Yeah. And it's not really explained. Like why no. I
0: the only it's thing it's almost I, like they had Nookie.
1: To me. It's, it's, it's like, like, you know what I'm
0: that. saying? It's like, ha, 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 hey. Like that. Well, it's
1: funny of. because um there's a couple times in this episode where I thought the actors were sort of smiling about things that weren't really a part of the scene. Like when, <laughs> when Gary um um, when he said um, he said well would you would would you guess that I am 14 years old and he right. sort of, he looks like he's about to laugh and then she looks like she's about to laugh and, and she goes well I'm two or something she's like no that's not possible the <laughs> oldest living Ocompant on only lives till nine and it felt yeah. like in that conversation that it was two actors sort of laughing at how silly it this was, dialogue was. I'm 14 and you're two. You're, yeah, it didn't seem see like it. the characters. And then the 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 Chakotay smile throughout this episode. Yeah, I couldn't quite place it. And then I thought, well, you know, Robert has not had many lines. Like he was in a bunch of scenes where he just sort of sat there. So I wonder if he had said to Kate at one point, like, I am in all these scenes and I never say a word. Just look at me, you know. Just watch how I, you know, I have nothing to contribute. And so I felt like his smile was almost like whenever Kate looked at him, he's like, see, I still see? haven't said anything. I <laughs> haven't said a word. <laughs> I felt like that's what that smile was about because he right. did it a lot.
0: He did. He did. I just found it interesting because typically Chakotay is very, he's, he's a very straight lace kind of businessy kind yeah. of dude. Yeah, he's very right? kind of but
1: dry and hard to, uh, yeah, hard to read.
0: Yes. And, and then for was, him to have that very, and. Yeah, and it was a it, it was a very endearing smile. It was it was warm and it was boyish, is the yeah. way I put it. So agreed. Uh, Voyager is known as the ship of death. <laughs> you remember that
1: I scene in, in, yeah. uh, in, this, in the briefing room? It's I, like, I got to go back though when that when the when the 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 remains of the caretaker, the rock, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, starts making that noise. I was like, oh my god, that is the most irritating sound I've ever heard in my life. Make it the stop. Hype. Pitch
0: squeak,
1: yeah, it was like nails on a chalkboard
0: that the rock
1: made. Yes, and it happened a few times, and I was really glad that that Tuvok said, "I'm going to make a toxin for this thing. If it keeps making this noise, I'm going to kill it," because I was ready to kill it the first time it made that noise. (laughs) Um, And by the way, Tuvok's quarters, where he's teaching Cass, that's Janeway's quarters redressed. It's the same size. Yeah. He maybe because he's a senior officer, he gets the larger quarters. I know you and I and Balana, um, I can't remember who else, but we had smaller quarters over by sickbay. But Tuvok's quarters yeah. had, had nice windows, and he was in the same spot where they would put Janeway's quarters.
0: Yeah, well we also made mention of when we saw Kess's quarters not in this episode but in a prior episode how they looked larger it like yeah. almost like they were like it was double. meant for an, a senior officer then that that person uh-huh. um died or something happened to them and so then Kess got that you know yeah, quarters yeah maybe
1: did she share quarters with Neelix I always I assume, I assume so but I
0: don't know I don't that's a good question
1: I don't know if we ever saw them together like, did they sleep in the same bed? They were a couple, so I would...
0: Yeah, okay, well, maybe that's why they have the bigger quarters, right? Maybe. But for some reason, I feel like they're, maybe. they weren't in the same quarters. I don't know. Good it's question bizarre. for the is, people out there. It is um, a good question.
1: So this life form, we call it a sporocystian life form. Yes. Caretaker is a sporocystian life form. And so I was like, I looked this up, and it's not a real thing, um, but it does say in the interwebs, A spore life form was dubbed caretaker and it's capable of holographic projection and matter manipulation on a huge scale. Um, The spore life form was abandoned by his mate when he began a lifelong project of caring out of guilt for the Ocombin people whose planet surface had been destroyed accidentally by the caretaker's technology. So a spore life form, it sounds super, uh, authentic, but it's just totally made up. And, it's totally uh, made up, yeah. A holographic projection, capable of holog- holographic projection. Yeah. yeah.
0: And we learned that Suspiria is the yeah. name of the caretaker's mate. And Suspiria yeah. just sounds like another type of sweetener used for artificial sweetener. It <laughs> does.
1: Stevia, Suspiria. Suspiria. Yeah, can I have a coffee with
0: uh, two packs of Suspiria, Suspiria and some cream? Thanks. <laughs> exactly. And now we know the race of the uh, caretaker aliens is the Nasin. Nasin is what they were called. The Nassine. Uh Yeah, I wrote that down. What sounds like an Arabic, uh, first name, but um, nasine and I had to yep. keep relining it, because I was, i was, was it Nasee or Naseen? Is there an N at the end? I think there's an N. In the I think it's I
1: mean? Naseen or nasine or, yeah. I wrote Nassine. down N-A-C-I-E-N is how I spelled it, but I don't know if that's how it Nassine.
0: is. Nasine Nasine is what I Nassine. thought they said. Okay. Telepathic yep.
1: abilities. They can enhance life and and uh holographic projection manipulate mm-hmm. matter very much on a small scale like what the Okampan can do obviously yeah. tied into the Okampan you know getting more telepathic powers and longer yeah. lives because they've sold yeah. their soul to this this um this caretaker type mm-hmm. creature um Kess also says to him at one point she says There's over 150 people on board. So again, another number like we keep throwing out different numbers of how many people are on board. I thought there were over 200 people, but she says to um, to Gary Graham in this uh, episode,
0: uh, over 150 people is the number, which would mean less than 200 for sure. Yeah, 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 definitely. And Gary Graham's character is (laughs) basically. Tennis is his name, <laughs> like the sport. Bit. Tennis, tennis. Tennis? Some, yeah. Some say tennis, some said Tennis. So there was yeah. a little bit of a variation there. He reminded me of Gath, the main hedonistic alien, the Sakarian from Prime yes. Factors that was all trying to lure yes. us in. And so this guy is also kind of trying to lure, well, one person, Kess, in. I just, I, did you get the
1: sense? It, it was very creepy. Very me. creepy yeah that Tannis and the way that he was obsessed with Cass because even when he spoke to the caretaker lady um, and he's and she said you know you can have the girl I just want the ship oh yeah and you're like why does he want this particular Ocampan's so bad like yeah it was a little creepy and because of you know he's 14 which is you know if they said their average lifespan is, is up to nine
0: that's the oldest, though.
1: Nine that would be the oldest. oldest. That's like a 90-year-old is the oldest. Right. He's 140 years old.
0: Yeah. He's and he's going
1: old. after a 20-year-old. Like, she's yeah. two, right? If yeah. We, if we did our math. Correct. Yeah. That, kinda, that he's a 140-year-old going after a 20-year-old. It's kind of creepy. Yeah. And, and it felt very romantic and flirty, and all of his, yeah. all of his interactions were very kind of, uh, yeah. I felt, I felt bad for Kes. I wanted to protect her and punch him in the face.
0: And I kept, well, I, yeah, but I kept thinking, for God's sake, why isn't Neelix getting jealous yes. of Gary Graham's character? I yeah. mean, obviously tennis is making the move and, you know, Neelix just like, Doop, doo, doo. I'm just going to watch while you train her. You well, know. it's
1: it's hard when you're an actor. Like there's Ethan Phillips sitting in the mess hall and he says at one point, oh, can oh, I interrupt Yeah. Can I talk? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> can, I talk for, can I speak for a second? And all he wants to do is say, I am so proud of you for, for you know, growing your telepathic ability. That's all yeah. he ultimately wanted to do, right? Gary Graham's character is like, no, we're not done yet. You know, yeah, very,
0: very dismissive.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's very dismissive. It's hard mm-hmm. as an actor to, to, dif, you know, to protect your own character mm-hmm. when the writers write things like that, where you're, you're, you know, behaving in a, you know, yeah, a, a non active way or you know yeah they put they put neelix in a in a corner there it's tough for ethan to to save him in that situation
0: yeah in that scene where um kes is trying to show tuvok her newfound skills that she learned from tennis yeah and she ends up breaking i mean burning the cup and then all of a sudden burning tuvok that makeup job megan Instantly said that Tuvok looks like Michael Jackson in the thriller video. When yeah. It. <laughs> and I kept thinking, oh my God, T- Tim Russ would make an amazing vampire or werewolf. Like just with that, the, with the crazy. It did contacts, look very yeah.
1: werewolfy and kind of. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was a cool makeup. I that like was that. a good one.
0: I, did like
1: I, I really liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. By the way, like when they were walking around in the cargo bay and the flowers and stuff, you know, all I kept thinking of in those scenes is, you know, first it started with small flowers and then they walk around and all of a sudden it's a big grown flowers and then they walk around some more and it's, and then she does her telepathy and then she burns the flowers. All I kept thinking was like, oh my God, they have to keep redressing this set (laughs) with like, (laughs) like, oh, that's such a pain in the butt to have to stop and then redress the whole set. And yeah but,
0: because that wasn't CGI that was actually no, real that, plants that they brought in that were more in bloom right yeah. when when they end up getting yeah uh, small plants more, and you know, then small, the, big plants the big plants and, plants and, the and then the dead plants. plants yeah yeah and every time you change you know every
1: time that happens you've got to redress the whole you got to stop and redress yep. the whole set so you can't shoot you yep. can't film the scenes straight through without stopping and redressing everything and mm-hmm. I don't know that's just it's hard for me to watch any television anymore Without you, thinking critical, about production stuff. Sure. You know what I mean, like, oh, that was hard to shoot that scene. You know, yeah. that would have been
0: yeah. It's funny because you could probably look at something and go, oh my God, I know exactly how much time that took, you know, yeah, to exactly. redress that <laughs> <Exactly. set. laughs> Yeah. Oh God, that's that's an hour, 45-minute yeah. redress. <laughs> <Yeah>. that, <guy. laughs> that alone, people don't even know what's happening, yeah. but it's 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 time, time, time. Um, I, I will say that. This is the one time that I disagreed with a director's way of shooting a particular scene. Um, oh, yeah, and it Which was one? it was the scene when Janeway goes down to sick bay to find out what's going on with, you know, uh, B'Elanna Tuvok. and Tuvok and all those guys, and then she realizes that she that blood dro- drops under her. Well, that was in in engineering. It, sorry, sorry, not in yeah, it was in uh, engineering. Yep. Yeah so she she looks up and now they're suspended yeah. in air and they're kind of unconscious now when i read the script to me it, this was a very i recall now because of seeing that scene it reminded me it cued me my memory started to to come to f- the forefront yeah. i remembered reading this script thinking this is a very spooky type of a script. It's, it's kind of a, it was very gothic-y in a yeah. way. To me, it was a, a horror movie. A bit of a movie. horror movie. Or, yeah. It was a horror I mean, movie, exactly. Yeah. And that particular scene, when I watched it, uh, when it aired, and I, and I do remember watching it, that I saw how they were suspended, and I was like, no. Why are they like this? Why are they horizontal? They should have been suspended this away, literally where their heads were down and their feet were up. Do you see what I'm saying? Ooh, yeah. So that that would have been more scary than this kind of laid out, like they were just floating on a cloud, like they were Superman flying mm-hmm. like what in a prone position. It should have been a vertical with the head down, feet up, arms kind of loose, hanging down next to their head and the blood dripping off of their, you know, out of their mm-hmm. nose or whatever, or ears, onto Janeway. Um, I don't know if that bothered you or not, or you're okay with how that, shot, uh, that scene was shot, but it bugged.
1: I didn't think body. about that, that's interesting. I didn't think yeah. about changing their position. I did think about um, how tricky that is to shoot a scene like that. And mm-hmm. I did think about, um, I was thinking about like the horror movie aspect. And I, I think that, um, and I love Cliff as a director. I mm-hmm. think he could have done a few more things cinematically that would have felt like a horror movie.
0: Yes. You know, there's yes. ways
1: there's certain tropes that horror movies use, you yeah. know, in terms of like suspense beats of walking in and yeah. you know, feeling like, you know, letting things mm-hmm. letting things breathe for a while mm-hmm. and build mm-hmm. up the anticipation and yeah. you know, and then the quick turn or or you think you're going to find something and there's nothing there and then all of a sudden, whoo, it's right behind you the other side. Correct. Like they could have done things like that. Yeah. Cuz there were some horror moon movie opportunities that that um that maybe weren't amplified as well as they could have been i mean it's yeah. funny on our show cuz that's one thing i loved about voyager was week to week we could do tonally very different things one week we might do a horror movie style show and the next yeah. week it might be a romantic you know a romance of some sort and then the next week it might be a action movie you know there was the genres were the tones were different week to week So it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun for us as actors to do and Mm -hmm. fun for, I think, the directors to try different genres, you know, depending on the story they got. Yeah. Um, But sometimes because of that changing tone and genres week to week, we didn't always go, you know, super deep into that style. Like you wouldn't go full horror movie on our show, Mm -hmm. even even though the story might be, a little bit horror movie, we still have to make a Star Trek show, you know, yeah. week to week. Yeah. So, um, yeah, anyway. But I did, I did notice those horror elements. I, I saw that yeah. too.
0: I just think the reveal would have been so much more effective if they were positioned in that vertical position yeah. as opposed to that horizontal, which just was so confusing yeah. to me you know i don't think it would have been that much more difficult to shoot it the other, the way that i'm talking you know yeah. compared to what they yeah. were doing right yeah. they could have they could have figured something
1: out well i think they got the bodies up there you know they put them on yeah. wires probably they put some holes in the set and right rigged some wires up yep. and pulled people up and had them floating right, right. Yeah. you could have had them in any any way you wanted
0: up there. yeah once you've rigged the wires you can then place them in any configuration right that yeah. you want the person in you don't yeah. have to have them you know prone like that and i just yeah. feel like like sometimes that'll happen. We being creative people, when we read a script, we'll see it a certain way, and yeah. you know. And again, not to knock Cliff Ball. I think Cliff Ball a great director. It I just agree. I think that this maybe when he was reading the script, he was he just saw it only as a horizontal placement of these characters, yeah. and didn't even think about going vertically, you know? Mm-hmm, and whereas mm-hmm. my mind was like, oh God, I would have been much more scared if I saw that vertical, you know, placement of everybody yeah. kind of hanging, like they were pieces of meat in a meat locker, you know, yeah. hanging from the, suspended from the ceiling. That would have scared me more, for sure. I thought, um, speaking of horror
1: movies, like, I, I, it just it reminded me in that scene with Tuvok when he had the makeup on and she was, yeah. and Kess started screaming and she was going, ah, screaming really loud. I always find on filming people screaming is really hard because the sound the sound men are Mm -hmm. like you know trying not to be too close because it can get distorted like microphones can get blown out and you know you can over modulate I guess the sound too much noise or something and I felt that in that moment of like it sounded a little bit like she had screamed really loud and blown out the you know the mic a little and I don't know I don't know if they cleaned it up and did it ADR but it just reminds me of like whenever you're acting and you're doing some of those things that require real yelling or screaming you'll always get these notes from the sound men like mm-hmm. just not maybe a little less or or if you're the opposite if you're doing a scene that's you know really
0: intimate, you're whispering you know like, yeah you know, I'm, I'm
1: giving an example
0: are you doing this, ASMR I am doing ASMR, ASMR I thought you were it looks very. Yeah.
1: Um, no but when you're doing a really quiet scene a lot of times the sound men will come over almost always and say yeah. hey can we have a little more volume and you're like dude I'm supposed to be whispering let me just whisper to this person and figure out how to get the sound you want you know what I mean exactly as opposed yeah. to me pretending to whisper but it's really loud like yeah this is a real whisper
0: you know it's really quiet mm-hmm. it's kind of that's yeah I'm that. Like, let's just the show
1: (laughs) that's funny but the but the thing is like yeah the loud i thought about this when when kess screamed all of those extremes they're always like when you're filming they're always saying oh not so loud on this line because it's too much for the microphones or a little more on this line because it's it's you know it's too soft what you're saying yes and it's really, I, when I'm directing, I often tell the sound people like, no, figure it out. You know, like let the actors play the scene as they really would play it. And let's figure out our side of the, the, of the street. Right. Right. um, Okay. So that little, the little girl, I found the little girl part to be very confusing. It almost felt like, why did they make her a little girl? I, I just didn't understand why she took on that form. Was it just a misdirect so that they would think, oh, this is, this is the caretaker
0: and she's not threatening because this is... Well, do you think, I, I kind of felt like when we saw the caretaker from the, the from the pilot episode, he yeah. was represented by this very old man on yep. the banjo yep. and he was dying. So I kind of felt like Suspiria, his- the mate of the caretaker is not dying, is still full of life. So they represented her in the opposite of an old, old character. They, they picked the youngest, you know, uh, a female that they could find a little girl to represent the, the youthful, not the youthfulness. That's interesting. I didn't think of it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I didn't think of it that way, but that makes Mm. sense that I was just thinking of it like, are they just trying to make a scary girl? Like it seemed arbitrary, but no, that makes sense that she was younger, that Suspiria was younger and represented by this youthful. Right. Um,
0: and if they are going down the horror kind of genre take, it is yeah. creepier to have a little girl, as in The Shining. She was creepy. You see the two twin girls in the hallway. That's creepy. You know what well, I'm saying? Especially was... when the voice changed when it went. Oh, from, when it went yeah. Rawr, rawr. yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. That was creepy. That was, that was pretty nutty. creepy. That was nutty. It also just... was creepy when the little girl changed into the character. I guess the real caretaker is like an alien, is like a it, like a worm?
0: It's like a tentacle. It's like an octopus tentacle or some, t- some type of weird. Is that what
1: it was? I thought it was like of, a
0: worm. It could be a worm with like little spikes on it or something, <laughs> mm-hmm. but it was just, you know, this kind of weird, and I'm sure, you know, if, if Voyager was filmed today, the CGI would be probably much more impressive than what yeah. saw. I mean, that was kind of like, eh, it's like a purple, yeah. you know, Twizzler stick or something like that. It's just, I don't know. It's not really that scary. Um, the, the, uh, I, I wanna just bring up, this is on a side note. We, uh, last night, Megan was like, I wanna watch this show and it was the haunting of Bly Manor. So it was oh, about- that's
1: the new Haunting of Hill House
0: was the old, the first season. Correct. The same people who did Haunting of yep. Hill House did Haunting of Bly Manor. And the setup of this whole whole series is literally Janeway's holodeck program. Like it's this it's this woman going to England at this at this really this oh God. huge mansion of some lord to become the governess of these two children. And it's and it's like, wait a minute. Wait a minute, The Haunting of Bly Manor, Were these is writers Kane sitting in the yeah. Were they Voyager fans? Or were they watching an the episode of Voyager? And they go, <laughs> hell, this is the setup for our next TV series. That's like funny. That. So, yeah. yeah,
1: I guess for me, first of all, I think smart of Tuvok to develop this toxin for the sporocysteine life form. Good thinking, smart, he's always on a defensive, you know, kind of mindset to, To have something in our back pocket, just in case we need it—a weapon or a defensive weapon of some kind. So we needed it, and we hit up that little girl with a toxin, and then we put a force field around her. And then Janeway kind of tells her the truth: "Look, we didn't kill your dude. Um, You know, we don't want to hurt people." And then Janeway does something that she does a lot in the series: Um, she risks everything and tells Tuvok take down the force field. Yeah, let this all powerful. You know, worm that was about to kill all of us, mm. let it out and let's just hope that it, that it trusts us now that I've talked yeah. to it for 10 seconds. Yeah. And I was like,
0: oh, wow,
1: that's risky. And if you know, I mean, I know this is all fake. I know this is not a documentary about a real <laughs> captain. So I get it. But it's like over and over, she takes these risks and you're just like, this could go really bad.
0: Like what's the what's the downside (laughs) to letting this thing out? We all die. That's Uh, right. She's very risky, but also when you take that type of risk and that trust and say just release the release the force field, bring it down. That then you know it's a chess it's a chess game, it's a chess move, and now the alien is like, wait a minute, you're showing me mercy. You know, so that that to me was really you know yes, it's risky, but it's also. Janeway's already thought this out. I feel like you know she's she's three or four yeah. steps ahead, and she's like, let's just let's make this move. This is this is like going all in at the poker table. Like yeah. I'm all in like that, <laughs> right? So yeah. You know, yeah, So yeah, she's definitely very risky. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's basically the end of that
1: caretaker story. Turns into a worm and takes off, and then we don't yeah. we don't get any help from it, but we survive. And um, and Cass um, has had to use this power this darkness that she's discovered yeah from Gary Graham's character she's had to use this to yeah. sort of defend herself against uh, Gary Graham's character and he's got you know bleeding from the eyes and he asks mercy yeah. and gets kind of beamed out by the caretaker and saved by her but Kes's has stepped into the dark side a little and I love that scene with her and Tuvok at the end, which really I guess would for me captures the theme of the episode of like okay. You know, the darkness, for me, the theme is what, what Tuvok stated to her at the end, the lesson, which is we all have a darkness inside of us. And mm-hmm. if we don't get in touch with that darkness and accept that part of us as well, we won't know what the light is. We, how do we know, you know, how can we appreciate the lightness, the light inside of us if we don't also accept the darkness? And I thought that was really a great point.
0: Yeah, I think the lines that they they said they were talking about, if you don't acknowledge the dark, that that'll give it an opportunity to escape. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm, You have mm -hmm. to say that you do have, every person is made of the dark thoughts and the the light thoughts. And if you acknowledge that the dark thoughts are there, that's how you keep it in control. If you ignore it or suppress it, that's how it escapes. Yeah. Creates crazy people or crazy dictators, you know? Um, I didn't really get what he was training her to do in the final scene when all the flowers get burnt like what was he was was he trying to teach her that you can take the energy the life force of all these plants by feeling them and in 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 turn they end up dying because you kind of take their life force like what so you what did you get out of that i don't for me i I
1: felt like because she goes she yeah she was upset that she killed them and he goes he goes it doesn't matter whether they live or die it's it's whether you're in touch with that power inside of you. So to mm. me, he was all about the power. Yeah. The experience of power, whether, you're, yeah. whether it's an experience of power that you give more life to these flowers or an experience of power where you kill them. He was very much drawn to that dark side, very much drawn to the, the power, the pure power of it all. That's what I got from that.
0: And then when he's gone, when Tanis is gone, Gary Graham's character is gone, and Kess tries to kind of boil the coffee again, and it doesn't mm-hmm. work. So then I start wondering, was that all Tanis doing that to make Kess think she was doing it? Yeah, you see what I'm saying? Like I yeah. almost, then, So there were some questions for me at the end where I was just a little confused about what was the what was the motive of Tanis? Like what what was he trying to do exactly? It, it was sort of like a you know in a Star Wars analogy, come to the dark side, Luke. Yeah, it it was like that. Very much. I could feel that, but I still wasn't sure, you know, did Kes really do the burning? Did she really, you know, was she Mm -hmm. just kind of there as a puppet for Gary's character to, I don't don't know. I'm not sure. Um, But I agree with the theme, what you came up with on that one. Um, I feel like there's some other theme here that I'm missing, but. Maybe I'll, I'll talk about this on the next episode. <laughs> that's gonna be my thing. Bring up stuff on the next episode for what we just talked about. <laughs> Good to have a follow-up. You gotta have a follow-up. Good to it? have a follow-up. Yes. Yeah, right. Totally, um, is. All right, guys, so join us next week when we rewatch, watch recap the episode Maneuvers. Maneuvers. Thanks, Robbie. Thanks, you buddy. Next.